This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Okay, I'm very excited. Alright, well I will be quiet so you can get in the zone. Am I in the zone? (laughs) (laughs) Only you can know that. (laughs) I was working in the Okay. <laughs> For real. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of 28 Days Later. You may notice right off the bat, I am not Sophie, but don't worry, she is here. Um, I am, in fact, Hannah, and I am taking the lead on this one, which I will explain shortly. But before that, I would love to introduce my piece of shit sister, Sophie. <laughs> you know... It's weird because I haven't gotten to be on this end of the intro for our podcast. Um, And I was wondering if you were going to pick an adjective for me since I only do it like 50% of the time. But I have to be honest, never have I felt like an adjective on the show has been so spot on. You really nailed it. Thank you. Um, I definitely in my mind was like, should I go for something like that? And then I was like, nah, I got to pull a, a real Hannah and go like total opposite. But before that, I was also con- considering saying my sizzling sister, Sophie. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to take this moment to jump in and tell a story that I forget if I told Hannah already and sort of like just throw a curveball at you, Hannah, since it's your first. Well, it's not really your first time hosting because we have that beautiful lost episode where you hosted in the car and you did a great job. But- I did a great job. Now I have a lot to live up to, but... Yet no one will ever know because we lost that episode forever. (laughs) Yeah, except like the cows in Indiana. But Mm -hmm. anyway, I just have to tell you a really quick story since you made a joke about how sizzling I am, which is that listeners of the podcast may not know, but Hannah does, that I am a 32-year-old woman and I would like to think I'm reasonably attractive and literally never in my life. And she got a body. (laughs) Literally never in my life has a person bought me a drink like never has a stranger at a bar bought me a drink it's never happened mm-hmm. um and I was at a uh, outdoor music festival with my fiance this weekend like and when I say music festival I should clarify a local bar in Kansas City had a small music festival I would wager that there were never more than a hundred people there at a time it was like very outdoors and super low-key mm-hmm. um but at one point, I was uh, I was DD, and I was going to go to the bar to buy one more drink for my fiancé to surprise him before I took him home, because he's been dutifully studying for his comprehensive exams, and he's been not drinking and very stressed out. Hmm. And while I was waiting at the bar um, for my drink, the woman came over and said, it's going to be $7. Now... When I was there before, I bought the exact same drink plus a water bottle for myself, and that cost $6. So I was really caught off guard by just the drink by itself costing (laughs) more than what I bought the first time, and I did not have enough cash. I had $6. Wait, and had you ordered already? She had already made it. Oh, okay. Um, And and it's a cash-only bar, and I have six ones. And I'm standing there like, ah, fudge. Like, I'm going to – like, maybe she's not going to give it to me. And while I'm standing there, an old man, old, old man in his mid-70s. Now, those of you listening out there who are in your 60s and 70s, please know that I don't think you're inherently old, but if you are hitting on me, a 32-year-old, you're old. Get the fuck out. (sighs) So this man walks up, and I'm like, ugh. 
But also, I was like, you know what? No one's ever bought me a drink, and I don't have enough money. So if that's what's going to happen right now, it's fine. But Hannah, that's not what happened. Oh, no! The 72-year-old man handed me a business card and said, that top looks really nice on you, and my friend owns a lingerie shop in Overland Park, which is like the bougie white suburb in Kansas. Uh, you should model for them. And oh, just walks away. My... <laughs> God. Do you think that ever works for him? What? <laughs> the fuck? The lingerie store is called Sazzy's. Let's give oh. them a shout out. Please never go there. Oh, God. And I want to, I'm assuming that this person who's owns this lingerie store is probably a man? I mean, unclear. This this lovely gentleman didn't specify, but um, also, oh my God, Sophia, I'm so sorry. That is like the saddest thing I've ever heard too. I know. I that you were like, it never has this happened to me. I guess in this one case, it'll be so skeezy, but at least it will get me out of a jam. And then he still didn't buy you the drink. He sure didn't. Uh, long story short, I gave the lady six ones. She didn't count them, and I walked away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. So. Proud uh, of you, girl. Story. Proud of you. I mean, I hope she at least, like, just saw that interaction and was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I can't stress enough that it. I still don't understand how the drink by itself cost more than the drink plus a water bottle. Like, I I would have had enough to pay for it anyway. Yeah, that's I don't very condone strange. stealing, but I was like, you know what? The drink's already made, and this is all I have, and I'm out of here. So anyway, I took us on a tangent, but why don't you tell the fine folks what we're doing here? Today? I will. Just really quick, I'm going to tell two stories super fast. One is <laughs> so fast. It's just that I also had a catcall thing recently. Well, two. One was kind of funny because I was crossing the street, and um, I was walking with a child, and this man in his car yells at me and goes, hey, are you in a relationship? I just want to know because you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay. As far as catcalls go, at least I was respectful. You were like, are you in a relationship? (laughs) Like, Yeah. I was like, I've gotten much more disgusting ones. So that one just kind of made me laugh. He was like, I'm just checking. Um, And then my other thing was just that um, for – I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before or not. Now that we're like once a month, I forget sometimes. But I do have a significant other now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he works like crazy, especially in this in September and October. So we were trying to have like a nice night out together on Friday night, I think it was. Um, and we went and we went out to dinner and we met up with a friend of mine who he hadn't met yet. And the three and they're both men. And the three of us were, like, hanging out. And at one point, um, I went to go get something from the hostess stand. And there was a wedding party in the upstairs of this bar. Mm-hmm. And while I'm going to the hostess stand, I, I needed, like, a, a roll-up of, like, the silverware and everything. So I asked her if, if I could just have an extra one. And she went to go get one from the kitchen. And this dude, like, hobbles over and stands uncomfortably close to me. Oh, no. And then just kind of, like... Like, not quite a full caress, but not nearly as, like, staccato as a tap. Somewhere in between mm-hmm. on my on my forearm. And I turn around, and he just does, like, does the whole, like, looks away really quickly thing. No, thank you. And then I'm like, oh, maybe it was an accident. Because, you know, 
we always do that. And then I like turn back and I'm waiting and then he does it again and I turn around, looks away. And then uh, he does it for a third time and the hostess brings me the roll up and I walk away. And it was so funny because I walked back to the two guys I was with and was just like, guys, that was so awkward. Did you see what happened? And I'm like explaining it to them and they were supportive, but you know how sometimes men can be where Mm -hmm. they're like, where they're like, oh, that sounds weird but they're like kind of like going on with their day and then like 30 seconds later the hostess comes over and she's like are you okay that was so weird and I just wanted to make sure that you were aware like somebody saw that and it was not okay thank you and I was like oh my god thank you so much I was like first of all that was you just validated my experience so much by coming over here and saying that Mm -hmm. and I was like and also I I was like I I'm okay, and, like, thank you for checking. Because if I wasn't, that would have meant a lot to me. So yeah. shout out shout out to the hostess at Revolution Brewing on Milwaukee in Chicago. Now, on to the topic at hand, because this is going to be a shorter episode, um, but also that's what Sophie says, and I'm in charge here, and we are about to talk about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, so I'm going to try to keep it short, but no promises. <laughs> So wait, before you explain it. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell people why this episode will be shorter than usual? Well, yeah, I'm going. Sophie, I'm going to. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Stop. I'm going to leave that in so people know that I'm too much. Go ahead. Sophie is backseat driving this podcast. (laughs) Um, As opposed to me, who's like usually like I'm like Buzz and Woody and Toy Story hanging on to the bumper while you're driving really fast. (laughs) I don't know. I was going to say that. That's like, my, more my second in command vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So because it is about to be October or at least when this is released, it will be October um, and it's spooky season or as my old roommate Christian used to say, spoopy season. The um, most beautiful time of year. If you ask It's me. the most spoopiest time <laughs> of the year. Um, we're going to do a couple of fun things throughout the month. We're going to do some like full episodes. We're going to do some short episodes. We're going to do some like sort of, uh, I don't even know what to call. It. We're going to do like some lists. We're just going to do a couple of fun things. We're fucking with the format. Yeah, we're mixing it up. We're getting spooky we're celebrating halloween um and one thing that we each wanted to do as part of that process was pick a meaningful or like beloved and kind of maybe goofy halloween movie that we watch every year together or not together but we just watch every year and then um that maybe we could share with each other and talk about so i chose first Mm -hmm. and I chose a movie that is damn near impossible to find um and yet I have watched it every year on Halloween or every year for Halloween um pretty much like at least the last 10 years if not longer I watch it every year although this was your first time since when we watched it as kids and it scared the shit out of us. Yes. Um, but I am referring to the little known, I think it was at the time, Fox Family classic called When Good Ghouls Go Bad. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
Uh, oh my gosh. I, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. For those of you that don't know Hannah as well as I do, so basically <laughs> everyone but our brothers, um, Hannah talks about this movie all the time, and I have a very vivid me- memory of watching it with her as kids. Mm-hmm. But I could not have told you a single thing about the plot or any of the scenes or any of the acting. Like, I didn't remember anything at all. So it was really, really fun to have an excuse to watch this. I'm so glad you feel that way because I have a slightly different experience, which is that this movie was, like, burned into my brain for the longest time. Mm -hmm. When I didn't remember what it was called or anything about it, I only remembered a scene from the end that scared the shit out of me as when we were kids and watched it at a sleep-in at our house. And I was, like, traumatized by it. And then I went back and watched it when I found it somewhere um, as a teenager and was like, wait a minute. This is, like, one of the greatest movies of all time. I feel so strongly that this movie should have a cult following. Every year that passes that it doesn't is a year that we have failed. I mean, maybe this is the year that it happens. Maybe our episode (laughs) makes this movie go viral. I wish because it's also so... So hard to find. Like it doesn't. It's not streaming. You literally have to watch it on YouTube. And when I chose this movie, I had to tell you, like, you were looking. You, I give you so much props too for dealing with this, Sophie. Like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, the tracking just goes to shit. It's and, terrible. And I knew that. I was like, there's only one way to watch this. It's a version of it that's on YouTube, and it's all messed up at the end. And so I do really thank you for putting up with that, so that I could have this moment to shine a light on one of the most underappreciated Halloween films of all time. Oh, for sure. Uh, Yeah. So uh, since I'm not hosting, do you want to talk about the plot or do you want me to talk about the plot? Oh, I want you to tell us, uh, to give us a little plot synopsis about what we're getting into. I can do that. Sorry, I realized my microphone was muted. <laughs> um, I wanted to pull up the character names so I didn't confuse the shit out of every listener by being like, and then they did this. Okay, so I'm going to try to give a plot. Synopsis. I know, isn't it so rude when your co-host doesn't know their names of the characters? It's like, do you even try? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't going to say anything. No, I'm just kidding. I usually don't know anyone's names, so it's fine. Um, okay, so... This movie is about a young man named Danny Walker. How old would we guess Danny is? Like 13, 13 ish? Yeah, I think We're so. like early teen years, right? Like a tween into a teen kind of Absolutely. Situation. And growing up, we learn in an opening narration that he lived with his family in Chicago and he thought that like life was good and love lasts forever and they would never leave Chicago. And all that little exposition tells us. I shouldn't say that. That makes it sound like it doesn't tell us a lot. That exposition sort of sets up Mm -hmm. that Danny's parents are now divorced. We learn that he lives with his dad, whose name is James. And they live in, is the town Walkerville? Walker Falls. Walker Falls. Okay. Walker is their last name. So they move back to this town that the dad is from. And they are living with Uncle Fred, who is Danny's grandfather, James' father. Um, And he owned a chocolate factory that used to um, employ most of the town. And it was sort of what the town was known for. And that's why the town is named after their family. So uh, Danny has not lived in this town very long. He learns uh, that they don't celebrate Halloween. They don't even say it. 
And mm-hmm. the reason they don't celebrate it or say it is that 20 plus years ago, a middle school, maybe early high school, a <laughs> young child. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> died in a freak accident, a freak kiln related accident like first first what like 10 minutes of the movie we're killing a child right off the bat in like a very gruesome way um (sighs) although I have questions but we'll get to that um and this this child his dying message to the world was that if they ever which he scribbled in his own ashes (laughs) yes uh his dying message to the world was that okay uh, we're getting (laughs) to my questions now how was there a body left? Like, if there were ashes, the ashes would be from his body. Well, even when you cremate people, sometimes some of the bones don't. Yeah, but hey, I understand that. But he That's had why he's enough... just like bones at the end. Right. But that doesn't make sense. And like the bones in the shot, it's like his hand stretched out. It's just out. one hand, yeah. His hand stretched out into the ash and like the clothes are still on the hand and it looked <laughs> like the hand was connected to a dead body. It was like, wait, so the ki- the, the kiln just kind of like burned his skin off but somehow it left his clothes and all his bones are intact. Okay. Yeah, I think that's just because um, they needed to suggest that he right. died without being like, we just killed a child. FYI. For sure. For sure. Also, so I just I had- have to say that this when I, I just watched it, literally, like, just watched it, and I watched it with my boyfriend, Nate, and um, and I was like, yeah, this is back when kids' movies were hardcore, and, like... <laughs> Hannah's favorite thing, this is back when kids were men. That, thank you! That's what I was going to say! I was like, which always reminds me of the best quote that I've ever come up with in my entire life, which was one time when I was high on mushrooms, and I said that was back when kids were men. <laughs> pretty, pretty delightful. So this town... Doesn't do Halloween anymore because this child will come back as Curtis a Danko. and kill them all. Thank you. Um, what else is important? Are you Danny, scared to say his name, Sophie? <laughs> no, I couldn't remember it. Danny becomes friends with a girl named Dana who is like um, really into morbid shit, and I loved her. Um, and also, there's a real, bully. real uh, boy I nanny vibes. <laughs> yes, um, and there is a bully whose dad is the um, PE teacher and coach, and their last name is Kankle, which I really enjoyed. And that's all the plot I'm going to go into because I don't want to spoil it. Ta-da. Um, I actually wrote in my notes too, Ryan Kankle, who's the bully. I was like, he's low-key a good actor. He, like, he was pretty good. He turns in a performance. Like, <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm like, I see you, Ryan Kankle. He understood the assignment, as the kids say. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so this movie, uh, for people who don't know, because literally nobody knows anything about this movie, um, it is based off of a R.L. Stein story. I did not know that, but that makes so yes, much sense. Yes, a la Goosebumps. So it's got yeah. a lot of that same kind of vibe to it, um, especially in like the aesthetic of the movie. Like The colors are really saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... There's a recurring theme of fireflies, but the fireflies are, like, glowing and green, which is very Goosebumps. Um, And I think that also explains why one of my favorite things about this movie is the snippets of voiceover narration. Yes. Because I think that there are some actual lines in this movie um, that are really beautiful and uh, 
in particular, like when you were talking about the opening narration, there's a line right at the beginning where it says, everything you learn as a kid is subject to revision. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. So that's also because it's based off of R.L. Stein. So I think that they also just like lifted aspects of the actual oh, source for sure. material and, and work it into the script. Um, I was going to mention that the writer of this movie, well, the director of this movie also adapted the screenplay from the R.L. Stein mm-hmm. uh, book, and that was Patrick Reed Johnson. And I was very excited to tell you about all the things that he went on to do um, after this movie. And I'm very sad to tell you that there's really nothing much. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> to report. So um, I was really hoping that there'd be some like fun other ones, but he pretty much, um, he directed Baby's Day Out in 1994. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. What are the fucking odds? I have to tell you that I was listening. <laughs> oh, Hannah knows this. I've probably mentioned on the podcast. I'm a huge Buffy fan. I love the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. They have a sister podcast called Angel on Top that's doing all the Angel episodes. And so I've been like watching them both in tandem, like as they were released chronologically on TV and listening to the podcasts. And today I was listening to an episode of Angel on Top and one of them made a baby's day out joke. And then Kristen, who is their producer, but she's one of the hosts of Buffering on Top. She like cut in on her mic and was like the first time I ever got fingered was seeing baby's day out in movie theater. Oh <laughs> my god, what a fucking epic connection. And yeah, and like what are the odds that baby's that's day so out will crazy. Come out twice for me in the same in day? In the same day. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> funny. Also, um one of the boys I nanny when he was in school, they used to do this thing over when they were doing Zoom school where he would be like the teachers would be like, make a connection. Two students are making a connection. And I'm like, Sophie, we're making a connection. <laughs> but you like touch your fingers together and you're like, make a connection. Um, it's also really funny because also as I'm looking at his IMDb page, he has not done anything in a while other than like some video game stuff pretty mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. since since this. But he... Um, is directing a movie or has directed a movie that's coming out this year called 52577 that appears to be like a quirky sci-fi indie film starring John Francis Daly who is um the who's sweets from Bones and yeah. um the main kid from Freaks and Geeks and also the yeah. writer of Horrible Bosses. Interesting. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's a thing. So he hasn't done a movie in a very long time, and he's got that movie coming out with John Francis Daly. So, you know, best of luck to him and the three-name crew that they're creating. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to kind of get into the movie, um, one of the things that I really love about this movie, especially when I went back and watched it years later, was that... I personally believe, and you can let me know if you agree or disagree, Sophie, but this movie was a made-for-TV ABC, or back when it was, first it was Fox Family, then it was ABC Family, then it was something else, and now it's Freeform, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, that seems right. So it's changed, a lot of rebranding. But back when it was Fox Family and when it was ABC Family, they used to do this thing called the 13 Nights of Halloween. Yes, it was 
God, you waited for it every year. Every year. And I think like especially for thing. Yes, exactly. Like especially for horror movie fans like of our generation, like that there was a lot of horror movies that was my first exposure to them was when they mm-hmm. were on The 13 Nights of Halloween. Like that was the first time I saw I saw Misery during 13 Nights of Halloween. I saw That's horrifying. I know what you did last summer during The 13 Nights of Halloween. Um, Scream, like a lot of them, and they were heavily edited, but still very exciting. I was like 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like, I, I think of that rather fondly as where some of my love of horror movies came from. Um, and they would release like one or two original movies every year during the month of October, but especially during that time period. And there was usually like one for kids and then one that was supposed to be actually scary. Um, and this movie was like the, for kids one, but as we said, they kill off a kid like 10 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah. And it's got some pretty like horrifying imagery when you're talking about a movie that's for kids. Yes. Like it's, it's pretty dark. And, um, so one thing I really love about it is like, especially when we look at TV movies and TV movies from our youth like the stakes were very low Mm -hmm. and what I really love about this movie so much is that it has such a like there was no reason that they had to put so much of a vision into it as they did like it has it has an aesthetic and it has a style and it has like a quirkiness to it that you don't see in a lot of movies like in a lot of TV movies um like sort of a low budget Tim Burton y vibe with like the fact that a lot of the characters wear versions of the same outfit. And because uh what's the the kid who died's name looks like real Edward Scissorhand vibe. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I, I feel like it has some of that, um like it's kind of co opting some of that a little bit. But that's part of why I love it. Because I'm like to be doing like a to be doing like a made-for-TV family movie based off of an R.L. Stein book and really decide to, like, make it so quirky. <laughs> right. It's great. And because I also think the sense of humor is also, like, exceeds expectations. Like, there's a scene early on when it's explaining how Danny's new life is going having moved and it's like, even the janitor was excited to see him. And as he's walking down the hallway, the janitor just dumps a mop out on his shoes. <laughs> I mean, also, speaking of the um, speaking of the quirky sense of humor, there's a great scene where the bully takes Danny to the graveyard and is like, do you know what that is? And he's like, uh, wait, wait, don't, don't fudge. Don't. I forget the first one he says. And then he goes, no. culture a sepulcher mm-hmm. and he's like no it's where they bury bodies <laughs> it's like mm-hmm, that right okay yes like the same thing it's like such a weird nerdy joke that like would not make sense for kids yes there's a lot of jokes in there like that like there's also um one of my favorites is later on when they're being attacked by zombies this guy walks over to a copy machine and they're like what are you doing and he was like i just want to He's like, I want to take a photo so that my family members will know what my last moments were like. And then he just screams into the copy machine. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's some moments of humor like that that I really love. And all the town hall scenes, there's, like, one guy 
who like inexplicably has somewhat of a southern accent even though this is supposed to be taking place in like Michigan right. um or Wisconsin and uh and uh yeah he's like there's something where everyone's like don't panic and he's like I saw a zombie on my way here I'm gonna vote for panicking like they're just I love I just if, if you cannot tell I literally I love this movie so much um it's so weird because I've never heard you talk about it before <laughs> so I'm like looking at my notes and I oh sh- oh my god shit okay so I'm like I know we have to move on I know we have to you know get this moving along more quickly than it's going we haven't even mentioned the fact that the character of Uncle Fred, who is the star of this film, is played by none other than Christopher Lloyd. Just absolutely. I, I, like, as I was doing the thing, I was like, oh, wait, I didn't say. And then I was like, well, Hannah, we'll get to it. He is so delightful in this movie, Hannah. Are you kidding me? This man fucking smashes this movie out of the park. He is so he really endearing. Does. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, like, it's awesome. It's not just that he's really endearing, like, he also at some points is, like, very snarky and sarcastic in a way that is, like, very believable. Excuse me, that was a really big seltzer burp. At the core, (laughs) I feel like at the core of this movie, um, it's really about, like, fathers and sons, right? And they're, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on, too, but, like, fathers and sons and their relationships to each other, um... And he really nails being a really lovable, caring, uh, very present grandfather and also mm-hmm. having a very complicated relationship with the dad, who is his son. Right. And I think some of the scenes that they share where they talk about their relationship are very well acted and and show like where they're both coming from in a way that is respectful to like both of their experiences mm-hmm. in a way that you don't see it in a, in a movie like this normally. Like I feel like they're pretty well written and pretty well acted. Some of those moments. Yeah. Like there's a part where you find out early on that his dad, that their dad, he used to be like the uncle Fred. He used to be like this like town patriarch and like he was beloved. And then since then he's become a, like a recluse um, who, in a lot of ways, I feel like is what I will be like as a, an older individual, um, <laughs> just walking around my house in costumes and setting up like maybe not like race car tracks, but I've said on more than one occasion that when I grow up, I want to have a house in my, I want to have a room in my house just for Barbies, and it's like not for anybody but for me. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> When we went home to go through our stuff recently, I was going through my American Girl doll stuff, and there was definitely a couple times where Sophie came in the room and was like, hey, you okay? You almost done in here? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a moment where we find out that he, part of what turned him into a recluse was that he paid for and donated the kiln in the school that was the thing that eventually killed Curtis Danko and that he's like blamed himself forever for that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Oh man. I like, I know we're not gonna talk about this movie forever, so I don't want to get too far ahead, but I also am so excited to talk about the ending, but I have to tell you, and I feel like this is really, uh, this really struck me at the heart and made me giggle, but it's mostly because it's like an inside joke for Jeremy and I like, 
all the time if Jeremy and I are sitting in a room together and he like gets up and I just say like out of habit like where are you going he always says out right like and he's never leaving he's like in his underwear yeah. he's in his pajamas and he's just like and he'll be like walking to the back of the apartment he just goes out like he's mad and so like mm-hmm. when when oh man like I'm slight spoiler I guess we're moving into this territory when Uncle That's Fred fine. comes back from the dead and Danny's like where are you going and he's like I'm going out it made me <laughs> laugh really hard <laughs> which also yeah it's hard to you know it's hard to manage our time and not get too much in everything because I'm just so excited to talk about this movie but I know um, I, when Hannah and I talked about this movie being like a mini episode or this this particular movie being on a mini episode Hannah was like well but yeah but I need to talk about it forever I could talk about this movie for 15 hours um but yeah that there is also a there's a, a relatively uh, not gruesome per se but a dark death for Uncle Fred as well when all the yeah, pumpkins like fall of, on him and we get a of, shot of a smashed pumpkin on his head. Yeah, really, truly one of the... Again, like I said, there just like are scenes and set pieces in this movie that are really horrifying when you think about it being in a kid's movie because even if they don't look scary to us now, the concept would be scary. Like that scene, like the way that Curtis Danko dies, like later on when they see the zombies and this the one kid's like oh yeah like a zombie would wear the stupid rubber mask and then he rips the zombie's whole face <laughs> off and it's just a skull like yeah like a bloody skull yeah and like sure it's like a silly practical effect in a kids movie but the concept that yes. a child just ripped this <laughs> dead rotting skin off a zombie's face is insane I love it and I love it too because I remember this movie in I remembered this movie for so long because the effects for what they are for the time that it was made for the fact that it's a TV movie are pretty good and I I was like 10 or 11 when this movie came out like a lot of that shit really stuck with me Um, and this I think will move us into the end Um, I just want to say really quickly though before I move into kind of like the climax and ending um, because I promised my boyfriend Nate that I would keep this in because it was so funny. When Danny's uh, getting upset at Uncle Fred's funeral and um, Dana goes to comfort him and she has this monologue about how it's comforting to think about your loved ones like deteriorating in the ground. Yes. <laughs> which is a very weird moment. Yeah. But then she um, also, after that, she leads him off to Curtis Danko's house, which is abandoned. And she's like, she's like, come with me. I want to show you something. And my boyfriend sitting next to me on the couch, bless his heart, who watched this whole movie, mess up tracking and all, and gave it his full attention, says, <laughs> he goes, she's on some bullshit, boy. Run. <laughs> oh, my God. That's absolutely delightful. That is so funny. Honestly, put it on a t-shirt. She and is on some bullshit, boy. Run. <laughs> that's going to be our second t-shirt. Uh, can I also just say that before we move into the climax, the other, like, really wild idea for a scene that I was like, how is this in a kid's movie? Is when they have to put Uncle Fred's body together <laughs> and they're, like, using a drill to screw all his body parts back on. Like, it's so gross. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that those effects are pretty good. 
They are. And Danny calls the drill a screw gun, which made me giggle. Yeah, and they put his feet on backwards. And then they they both look at each other with this, like, oh, man, look. And they're they like, the, oh, we have to do it again. Uh, super gross and really funny. Also, another great quote that I love so much is that um, when Dana – so Dana tells Danny, and this will lead us into the end. Dana tells Danny that the kids in the town are tired of not celebrating Halloween. Um, real Footloose vibes. And they have decided on their own that they're going to, like, put on their own Halloween party this year and just say, like, fuck it because they're tired of not celebrating it. And it's actually really, again, the writing in that part I think is also really good when he's like, how did you do all of this? And she's like, I didn't. Like, little pieces just came to me, like, at sleepovers, in mailboxes. Like, the kids, the whole, like, the I, I think that this movie captures, and it's very... R.L. Stein. It captures nostalgia very well, mm-hmm. especially like nostalgia that I think it surrounds Halloween as a holiday and why I love it so much. But um, she says all the kids are like tired of not celebrating Halloween. And when she says that, she says, if you never learn how to be scared as a kid, how are you ever going to be scared as an adult? And there's so many more things to be scared of. Oh, beautiful. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That is so good. Um, but yeah, so that kind of brings us to a good place to get into the climax of the movie which is you know uncle fred has died he comes back to life ish there's zombies taking over the (laughs) town um the kids are throwing a halloween party everyone's freaking out we didn't even mention how ryan and his friend had stolen again this movie is a complicated web there's a lot of storylines going on so much here there's a mayoral race um the one guy's uh dad who's the football player, his wife, I swear to God, looks exactly like Bam Margera's mom. And doesn't she? She And she has those, and she has those, uh, she should also get some type of credit or her hairdresser should because she has those e-girl highlight stripes right down the front of her hair Uh (laughs) way back in the day. Um, But anyway, then they realize that Curtis Danko's, not just his statue, but his body is missing from his crypt Mm -hmm. and everything culminates at the Halloween party that the kids are throwing where all the zombies like corral the parents and the kids and Sophie do you want to explain what happens then oh my gosh so it's just so sad okay so uh they're all at the Halloween party the zombies come in Curtis Danko's body ghosty zombie body uh with firefly eyes is there and all the kids are running to hide and they all run upstairs and they're on this did you already say this part they're sort of like on a carpet that falls through the floor and then all of a sudden everyone is in the like main entry of this house the Mm -hmm. zombies and the parents and the kids and curtis danko and his statue also one of my favorite moments when they're all screaming when the kids are screaming and they're falling through the ceiling in this carpet and danny slowly so slowly and danny looks up and the Curtis Danko, who's just been revealed, is just, like, silently looking over the kids as they fall. Amazing. Continue. Yeah. Super good. <laughs> okay. So then um, Curtis Danko's statue is still all wrapped up to keep everyone safe. And then uh, the coach, Kankle, comes in in his football uniform, and he sprints, and he basically slams into Curtis Kanko, who breaks into a big old pile of bones, which we don't see, but it's implied. And then he's, like, stomping on Also the very dark. He just, yeah, jumping and stomping, and everyone around is, like, flinching. At a- 
Yeah, and again, the sound it's not making because it's, it, it's a kids movie, but you're hearing it, and everyone's yes. reactions are like, "Oh no, this should not be happening." <laughs> so he's like, "I did it, I won," and then Curtis Kanko slowly comes all back together, and then his statue is revealed, and it is, and we learn that his statue is a statue of Uncle Fred because Uncle Fred was his hero, and then Uncle Fred, who is dead, asks dead zombie Curtis Kanko how he could be his hero and Curtis Kanko pulls out a newspaper clipping about uh what it was it that Uncle Fred did that like that's when he invested in the like art program at the school yes he donated he donated to the art program um and I think the implication is basically like cut sort of the whole the full circle of it is is that in the beginning um the kid Ryan who's the bully when he's bullying Danny he says to him like um, he says, oh, d- again, when this kid is turning in a 10 out of 10 performance, he's like, why, Danny asks, why do you hate me? And he's like, I don't hate you. I'm concerned about you. Yeah. <laughs> and he says like, um, he says like, you're different and we don't like different in this town. So I think the implication is that Curtis Danko was like, Uncle Fred was the only person that was nice to him. And, and like supported him being an artist. Supported him being an artist, yeah, and, and yeah, and and gave him like the resources to succeed in that. Well, and because yeah. the coach guy says too later, he's like, um, so we find out that this motherfucker lied about everything, and that it's basically his fault. He basically murdered this other boy. Yeah. Um, and then lied about it, and he wrote the the curse and the ashes, and he lied about the statue, and everything's on him. Um, and he did it all because he saw the statue of Uncle Fred, and he didn't want that statue to get put up in town. He wanted his dad to be put up in town because his dad was gonna uh, build an RV park for football for people who love football, <laughs> and he hates Uncle Fred because Uncle Fred was donating money to arts programs and theater programs and to sissy stuff like that yeah. is what he says which again i cannot overhype how much i fucking love this movie and the fact that like part of the moral of the story is that a curtis Dago was different and you shouldn't treat people like shit just because they're different um and also that like basically the sissy kids are the heroes of this movie <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, I think there's a lot of kids' movies that try to do that moral, right, where, like, it's okay to be different, but I feel like usually it's, like, the person who's quote-unquote weird, like, wears glasses or something, Mm. right? Curtis Danko is, like, a straight-up, like, proto-emo kid, Mm -hmm. and... Who doesn't speak ever, even even after death. (laughs) The weird kids in this movie are weirder. And so it really felt like watching it, I wrote so many times, just like how emo this movie is to its core. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it totally makes sense that Hannah likes this movie. It's just like it, this whole movie, like, first of all, obviously the look of Curtis Danko is very inspired by Edward Scissorhands, but like, I'm not convinced that Gerard Way's entire aesthetic was not just Curtis Danko. Um, and That's for the so rest true, of my life. Even his, like, um, when he comes back as, like, a semi-skeleton thing. Like, especially yes. that. <laughs> yes. I, 100%. And I'm, I'm being serious. For the rest of my life, I will imagine. Honestly, if we have a fan who's good uh, at, like, 
video production and has time on their hands, I would love someone to recut scenes from this movie to remake the I'm not okay, I promise music video. Oh my god, you could do that also with like the way that you can do those face, those deep fake face things where you yes. just like input a face. If you could take Curtis Danko's face and put it on Gerard Way in that music video, that would be, I would die. I mean, also if you could just have uh, Gerard Way's face in the movie, but with fireflies <gasps> for eyes. Oh, amazing! Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I Someone think makes I just this developed a us. new kink. <laughs> And this cake is Curtis Danko with Gerard. No, Gerard. Yeah, Curtis Danko's body, his bag of bones body, Gerard Way's face. I'm so sorry because this is supposed to be a mini episode, but it's going to take me like two minutes to recover from this image alone. Well, part of why it's a mini is we didn't do intro and we're not doing a closing. So, like, we're good. Okay, 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 okay. I'm dead. I'm dead. That's so funny. Also, like, for a very long time before I found this movie, I I just remembered it forever and ever as there's a, a scene where, and I think that the practical effects are done pretty well, where the Curtis Danko, like, emaciated dead body descends the staircase very slowly Mm -hmm. and I remember that scaring the absolute shit out of me as a kid like I think we may have turned the movie off after that point because it scared all of us so much and we didn't even finish to find out like how it actually has kind of a happy ending um yeah but uh to kind of drive us home to the end I will get to what is my favorite 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 part of this whole movie um, which unfortunately, when you watch it on YouTube, that is at the point where the tracking is way off. Um, but after we learn, you know, that like one thing I really love about this movie is that it has a complicated narrative and a lot of the, a lot of like things are like clues and small details are planted early on that come full circle. Like, um, when Jamie is fighting with Uncle Fred about their differenting parenting styles and, or rather, their very similar styles as working too much and not being there for their sons. And uh, he says something to him where he's like, where Uncle Fred says something about how he blamed himself for Curtis mm-hmm. Danko's death. Um, and then later on when we find out, like, he built the kiln and then that's how he died. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they really build the story really well, I think. Yeah. Um, but one of those moments, too, is early on when they're fighting, he says after after the accident, like, you just completely removed yourself from everything. And he's like, you weren't even there for mom when she needed you the most. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the movie, one of the zombies who has returned is uncle fred's wife and jamie's mom and danny's grandmother and it's become clear that uncle fred is was only brought back sort of to bring everything together but that he also is going to return and and die and he says basically to his son like i can die happy now because i know that i was loved and he was like all the pictures on your wall and all of your accomplishments didn't show you that. He's like, no, not by the townspeople to know that I was loved by you. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's so sweet. And so my favorite part is at the very end of the movie, all the zombies go to the graveyard and they dance and the fireflies are like flying all around them. And uh, Christopher Lloyd's voiceover returns to kind of wrap up the whole movie at the end. And he says, and as we dancers finished our dance and waltzed into dust, it was comforting to know that the dance wasn't really over. And that's my favorite part of the whole movie. It's so beautiful. And the, all the, and again, the, the, the effects are kind of cool. Like they, they show all these like zombie figures dancing and like literally like turning into dust and blowing in the wind. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool, and it is my absolute favorite part of the whole movie. And I and it ends what I think that's sort of like the closing line of what I think is uh, the greatest Halloween movie of all time. <laughs> well, damn. I mean, it wasn't the most mini of mini episodes, but it was also our first mini episode. And... Yeah, I did my best, but I fucking love this movie. There's so many more things I could say <laughs> about so it. so much more to talk if you, about, yeah. If you really love me, what you will do is watch this movie on YouTube with the messed up tracking at the end and all. It's so worth it, I think. Do you agree, Sophie? Oh, I totally agree. I definitely think this is one that's going to get added to my repertoire uh, of stuff I like to watch in the spooky season. Because it's just I like, fucking it just love feels it. Good. It, it feels, feels so good. good, and it really, to me, is such a perfect encapsulation, especially for people our age, of, like, Halloween nostalgia specifically. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Also, um, I'd be, I have to mention that, although I love that line at the end, and it is, like, my favorite, what this movie really closes out on, and if this isn't enough to pique your interest, like, if this whole episode hasn't made you feel like you should go watch this movie, the whole movie closes out on... Um, basically a German businessman being like, what am I going to do in this town for two weeks? And looking at this secretary and being like, well, we're going to fuck for two weeks straight. (laughs) (laughs) That eye contact is intense. Uncomfortable and so weird. (laughs) Like I said, this movie has a lot of layers. There's a lot going on. For sure. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end because we're not doing in later news since this was a mini episode, even though it was like, although I was just reminded that uh, you were going to tell me something about this movie that's like really dark. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you for reminding me because I do think we have to mention this. And if we didn't, yeah, we just have to mention this. Um, So, and this is something I knew about this movie ahead of time. I've known for the last couple of years. Um, so a sad fact about this movie is that um, the boy who played Danny, his name is uh, Joe Pickler, um, he disappeared under very suspicious circumstances in 2006, um, which was only five years after this movie came out, um, and he's never been found. Um, yeah, so it's very sad. He's been missing for like 15 years and counting. That's very sad. I think in the last couple of years, they actually declared him dead because he's been missing for so long. 
Um, but yeah, I, I do think it is important to mention that and to bring awareness to his case because he's still considered um, missing. He's been missing for 15 years, 8 months, and 24 days. Wow. So um, if you're interested in that at all, um, you can read about it online. There's information about his case. Um, and if you have any information about it, um, there's also resources online about um, who you could report that to. Wow, that's really sad. Yeah. Oh, he was the boy and children on their birthdays. No, he wasn't. Was he? Yes, that's... he was. It's on his filmography. I was trying to figure out why he looked so familiar. Oh, oh weird. I thought he was the kid from... Or I thought that was the kid from Tokyo Drift. No. <laughs> Yeah, he actually won, um, like, a, an award for a movie, too, like, right like right after this movie. Yeah. Well, that's very sad. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry to end us on that note. And that's why, Sophie, I told you, I was like, should I say it at the beginning or at the end? I don't know what to say. No, I think you handled that perfectly. I just, like, I started to try to figure out what to say to wrap up, and then I was like, I'm not hosting. Yeah, so um, he, you know, he did a great job in this movie, and he um, was in a couple of other things as well that you can check out. Um, And, yeah, like I said, if you want to know more about his life or anything, you can find out about it online. Um, Sophie, I guess we're going to close out and – um do you want to say the final words and you don't even have to say what i usually say you can say whatever you think is the most important thing to close out on oh my gosh okay this is a lot of pressure but i think it's really important to know um for anyone out there who's listening that you are beautiful and special and important even if no one has ever bought you a drink. Wait, oh my God, Sophie, have you ever watched the television show People of Earth? No, but I can't believe we're not going to cheers now. I'm sorry, but I just have to tell you that, first of all, you should definitely watch that show because it's a great underappreciated show. But one of the things on that show is like, uh, everybody who's been abducted by aliens has the same experience where the aliens said essentially exactly what you just said to them at the end of their abduction. What you're saying is, I nailed that. (laughs) Or you're an alien. I mean, who's to say? Clink! Clink! (laughs) (laughs) It's way harder than the one who's waiting. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. It is very hard. Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.